Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything that you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, Throughout the show, we will be offering our Retirement Rescue Game Plan. That is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you're going to get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. A lot of good stuff in there. And all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. Go to that site. You can order it that way. Put in your information and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you got to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right. Um, this is a uh, um, today, uh, the weekend after um, Labor Day. Yes. Oh, yeah. A short week. Uh, short week. It is uh, September 11th. Of course, that has uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, gravitas, but, but behind that that date, uh, we all know what happened. Um, uh, what is it? Has it been twelve years now? Twenty one. Oh, twelve years. Why did I say twelve? Twenty one years. Twenty one years. Ago, 21 yes. years. I'm, I'm, yes. Yeah, that's my dyslexia. Yes, my dyslexia coming in there. Um, Twenty one years. Um, yeah, that's right. Because my daughter, um, she was born ten days before, oh, okay. and she turned twenty one. Uh, on the first, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, ten days earlier. Mm-hmm. So, um, by the way, made that a huge, big ordeal. Um, of course, you know, her turning twenty-one. Oh you know, yeah, just well, uh, that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a milestone. Yeah, that is a milestone. Um, and so it's been twenty-one years since nine uh, eleven. Uh, uh, and uh, do you remember? I think we we've, we've talked about this before. I think mm-hmm. we talked about this last year. Yeah, because it's kind of a, an every year thing, but. Um, Remember exactly where I was. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you were young. You probably were uh, what in diapers then. <laughs> no, I was in um, I think fifth grade. Oh, fifth Jesus. grade, I was in yeah wow. grade school, and um, teacher brought in wow one of those rolling TVs, and we saw kind of what was happening. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um I scary. Was, I wasn't close, but I wasn't far. Um, I was in uh, Baltimore, uh, Maryland, which. I, actually, the 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 third plane that crashed near the Pentagon mm-hmm. was in Maryland, somewhere, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I was uh, I was close. It was just a surreal experience, but really was. something that uh, we will not forget. All right, let's uh, let's jump into some money matters here. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. money, money. <laughs> All righty. So. Um, you know, we're coming up on the end of the year uh, where we're uh, creeping on fall. And generally what happens as uh, we get closer to the end of the year, people start to they want to get their um, their retirement in order, their finances in order, because we start to have some sort of, of schedule. Because if you have kids or even if you have grandkids, um, kids are starting to go back to school and then people are starting to come off from all these vacations. You know, people are taking vacations at different time during the summer, but things kind of get in alignment and we have some structure. And one of the things that people try to do is people try to get there. Uh, they sit down now, things have settled down, the leaves start to change and people want to get their finances and retirement uh, in order. And so we've been sitting down with uh, a lot of retirees and pre-retirees who are, um, you know, just wanting to get a pulse check of, um, especially now where we're in, the, we're in this crazy market about how things are going, um, what they need to plan for going into 2023. And it just uh, had me thinking about, you know, some of the things that I see that uh, pre-retirees or, or early retirees do that really don't bode well for, for their retirement and a lot, and a lot of times can, can wreck their, their retirement. And 
Um, I have a list of stuff that uh, I've, I've taken notes uh, over the course of, of, of these last few meetings that that I've had. And, you know, I want to go over about seven or so different things that people need to think about as they get closer or as they are in retirement. Number one is um, you need to pay down as much debt as, as possible. Either, you know, you try to have most of your debt paid. You should try to have most of your consumer debt, the bad debt paid off before you hit retirement, you know, credit card debt, any car loans, things of that nature, it's good to try to go into uh, retirement with the least amount of liabilities possible. Um, unfortunately, uh, these days, we're really seeing a lot of um, uh, retirees go into retirement with um, a lot more debt than they used to uh, in the past. And it's interesting because um, I was debating with my uh, my 21 year old my daughter the other day and uh, she was talking about how the US forces people to go into debt you know she's at one of these you know these universities that mm-hmm. you know teaching her about all these things and so okay. she thinks when she hears something provocative or new that I haven't ever heard it and oh. comes and <laughs> says the US forces people to get in debt dad and I'm like, no, no, you know, everyone has a choice. You don't have to get into debt. I see where she's coming from. You know, we do have, we are a consumerist society where um, all these images marketing, they, they want us to buy and look at what your neighbor has and what you don't have. And you, if you don't have the money, it's okay. You can put it on a credit card. You can finance it, whatever. And, you know, because of that, um, you know, we, we, have, uh, we have found ourselves uh, as, as consumers, as Americans, in a lot of debt. And what uh, that has translated to is a lot of retirees going into retirement with, you know, a lot of that uh, consumer debt. And so what, what does that do? That really, if you go into uh, retirement with all these liabilities and expenses, um, then it causes you, it takes away from your income that you could have in retirement because you're going to have to use the, the income that, that could be used for travel, things you want to do in retirement. Spend, spending money on the grandkids if you want to do that. Um, if you, if you're not so, if you don't have great health, you know, that income could go towards healthcare expenses, but instead it's going to credit card debt or, or a car loan. And so it's important to try to budget as much as, as much as possible, either now or even when you're in retirement and try to look at where that bad debt is and pay that down. That's not a good thing going into retirement with debt. You know, when it comes to being a college student, I think your daughter's got a little bit of a point there about how sometimes you're forced or maybe not forced, but you're when coerced. you're coerced. Coerced, yes. When you're manipulated. There you go. That's a good word. Manipulated. Because I remember on college campus there being uh, credit card companies. Oh, a multitude that and, sign you up for cre- college students, 18, 19, 20 year olds who don't know. No, not who how don't credit even cards know. work. Well, don't know number one. Yes, but are broke as a joke. Yes. Don't even have a job, and they're giving them credit. Whether it's $250 or $500, i tell you what, when I was 18, I fell into that trap. Uh, wasn't forced. It was my choice. That's what I try, try to tell my daughter. It was my choice, but they make it so enticing. Yes. You know what I mean? I can and you get, don't know any better. I can get $250 of basically what I thought was free money or credit to right. 500 bucks. <laughs> right. All I got to do is, is sign up. And then also I get a t-shirt too. A t-shirt? <laughs> yes. I'm taking that. Free t-shirt. And then of course I had no job. No money, you know. I was there on scholarship playing football, um, and 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 I went into about two hundred and fifty, maybe about five hundred dollars of credit card debt solely on pizza. No, just would order pizza. That's all. That's all we did. Order pizza. I, oh I give them that card, and that would be it. And then I found myself. Like, what? And then I found That's myself. Yes, yep, and didn't have to. <laughs> Didn't, well, I thought I didn't have to pay it back. Then you get that bill and like, wait a minute, I don't have any money to pay this. And then there you go. And then that's a, uh, that's a slap in the face on uh, learning how credit and all that credit scores and all that works. And you actually got to pay it back and have to go to mom or yes. dad or uh, do something to, you know, earn some money, them, to earn some money. That back. Mm-hmm. But, but you're right. We are kind of conditioned and manipulated early on to uh, take on debt and, you know, get it now and we can worry about paying it, paying for it uh, later. Mm-hmm. But that's to the detriment of, People who are going into retirement, because you would think you would learn from the first time you get that credit card at 18 to when you retire at 68, <laughs> you know, yes. what is that, 50 years? Yes. Of, but um, uh, no, no, at least that's not what we see in most cases. Um, another thing uh, that I think you need that 
I talk about or I've talked about recently with a lot of retirees is um, working, uh, considering work options in retirement because you know, back in the day, people used to have, you know, these pensions, these things that were called pensions What's and that? These guaranteed income. And actually, they're even better than that. If you worked for, um, actually, a lot of these manufacturing companies are good companies way back in the 40s and 50s and even 60s, um, heck, even 70s when you retired um, later on down the line, you not only got a pension, but you also got your health care paid for. Mm. That used to be um, something that you could count on from from these employers. Can we bring that back? Oh, well, no, they, they've, they've cut all of that out. That, that's, that's, that's long gone. And so, you know, now, um, since they, you don't have those guaranteed income streams, people have to rely on either one, Social Security, um, uh, two, uh, either Social Security and or uh, what you saved in retirement. And then three, a lot of times people just, they may retire from their main job, but they still want to be active and they still want to have some form of income coming in. And so they uh, may want to work part time somewhere. Um, those are always good options. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of a lot of these the, a lot of options these days are you know the the side hustle, the side gig, right? Where you can do Uber, um, heck, even Airbnb. Um, you know, there's uh, the Airbnb for for cars. Uh, Turo um, is what it's called, um, where you where if you have a, a car. Instead of, um, you know, people going to rental car companies, you could rent your car out. And so okay. there's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of ways to bring in some sort of income and consider your work options in retirement. And if that's the case, that's also a good way to supplement your income, protect your nest egg if you have one, where you're not having to draw down on that as, as, uh, as much as you normally would if you didn't have some sort of side hustle or some sort of part-time job. So um, I have a lot of people who are, have, have considered um, who retire from their main job but still want to do something part-time. So that's always a good option for folks who want to do that. All right, we're um, coming up on the break. So uh, we're going to continue uh, this discussion on retiring and things you need to consider and think about uh, as you're headed into retirement or as you're in retirement. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. All right, so this is the uh, Goo Goo Dolls. Dolls. Say it. Goo Goo Dolls. Dolls. Doll. Yeah, dolls, anyway. yeah. <laughs> you got the Texas drawl. Yep. This is Iris. Came out in 1998. Sounds just like a 90s song, by the way. Um, number nine in the U.S., number three in the U.K. Okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. I uh, enjoyed this guy. By the way, the um, what's the name? Uh, Resnick. Um, is this is he related? Uh, John? 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 Is he related to Trent Reznor? Is it a Trent Reznor? No, Trent. I don't know. Nine Inch Nail lead singer. Now he's a huge. Uh, does a bunch of scores and stuff. Anyway, can look that up. Trent Reznor. I think it's different. Trent Reznor and Johnny Reznick. That's two different people. Anyway, but you can fact check me there. Welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. So um, earlier. Our last segment, we were talking about uh, what retirees need, need to think about and things that can um, mess up their retirement, things they need to think about to extend their uh, money throughout retirement. We talked about trying to pay down debt, and then we also talked about considering work options, whether you're going to not work at all, but more, a, lot of reti- a lot more retirees are starting to um, uh, do some sort of side gig uh, work part time just to stay active for for the most part. Uh, sometimes, if they need it, just so they don't draw down their nest eggs uh, quickly. And speaking of nest eggs, uh, the one thing you have to make sure that you do with your nest egg is invest wisely, right? And that uh, is a lot easier said than done. And what do I mean by invest wisely? Well, this is what I mean. I mean that you need to be prudent and make sure. Uh, that you don't do the wrong things at the wrong time. However, what generally happens is emotion creeps into most things and uh, particularly uh, investments when you're investing. 
And those two emotions are fear and greed. And those two emotions, they do cause people to do the wrong things at the wrong time. And they do it, my friends, all of the time. And so um, what happens is people like to buy things when they feel good, right? And when, when, when you feel, when you're euphoric and things are going well, and that's when you want to go out and buy things, specifically stocks, right? When the market is rocking and rolling and CNBC, Fox Business, whatever is talking about how great the market has been, it's just going up, historical highs, uh, record closes, all of this stuff that's going on in the market and people just want to buy and they go in and they do buy because they feel good. Things are are are, are that things are uh, happy and 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 people are have smiles on their faces and you see green on the screens when you're watching uh, those those uh, CNBC financial shows, right? Unfortunately, you're generally buying into a market that is going up and up and up, right? And that may or may not be the bad thing. Now, conversely, people. Don't like bad news. People don't like to do things um, or be as active when things are bad, when things are doom and gloomy. People don't want to. They don't want to buy things. You don't want to go out. You want to just stay in. You know. You know what? I know when I when when it's a when I wake up in the morning and there's overcast. It's rainy. It's gray outside. You know what I don't want to do. I don't want to do anything, right? You just want to kind of stay in, wrap up in a break, in a blanket, and just chill, right? Not not go out because things are just bad, doom and gloomy. And that's the way the market works too. When the market is going down, and you're listening to those programs, reading the Wall Street Journal, CNBC, Fox Business, blah blah blah, and it's all they're all talking about how bad things are. The market's down. We're in a bear market. The recession. Companies didn't hit earnings. You know what you don't want to do, and what you don't do, you don't want to buy anything. So you don't buy into the market, right? When prices have gone down and things are low. My friends, that is the opposite of the, what you should actually do. Because what are you supposed to do when you're in the market? You're supposed to buy high and you're supposed to sell. You're supposed to buy low and you're supposed to sell. You're supposed to buy low, right, and sell high. But because of those emotions, fear and greed, you get into, we get into this perpetual cycle of doing the opposite because feelings come into play, emotions come into play. And unfortunately, that is why most individual investors don't do well in the market. You think you do, but you don't, right? You only count your winners. You never count your losers. And most of the time you're losing. Don't even know it, right? But Marcus, my 401k is always going up and up and up. Yeah, you're also putting money into it every paycheck period, right? So a lot of that stuff you need to extrapolate, do some analytics, and find out how much of that uh, money you've put in is going up and how much of it is down because of market circumstances. But most people don't do that. But you have to invest wisely and pull that emotion out of the market. Plus, you also can't invest in the rearview mirror. Hindsight for everybody. Hindsight makes everybody a genius. After you know the outcome, you can always say, see, I knew that would happen. Or see, I, you know, or, see, I knew that that was going to happen because A plus B equals C. And I saw it the whole time. But you don't really know. And you know why you don't know? Because you don't know. Think about this. March of 2020, the stock market dropped 30% in 16 days. 30% in 16 days because of the pandemic. People in the middle of it were panicking. People were scared. However, by December of 2020, the market ended up 16%, right? But if you would have known that the market was going to be up 16%, or would, would you have been panicking and calling me and telling me to take all of your money out of the market? This is different. We've never had a global pandemic, Marcus. Oh, my gosh, it's, uh, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. No, but at the end of it, we came out ahead. And as we come out ahead, that's when people are like, hey, hey, I missed out on the best, one of the best bull market runs in the history. But that's hindsight. You didn't know that it was going to end it was going to end up positive at the end of the year. 
And so you don't know. No one has a crystal ball. You have to invest wisely. Take that emotion out of the market. Speaking of that, one of the things that um, people tend not to do uh, in regards to retirement is adjust their risk accordingly, right? Because, and what do I mean by that? I mean by, I, when, when, when I talk about risk, generally when you're younger, when you first start your career, you can afford to be you know, fairly aggressive with your investments. Why? Because if the market goes down, you have time to recover. You have time to recover. Market drops 20, 30%. That's okay because, you know, I'm 35 years old and I'm still putting money in. It's just a buying opportunity, right? And I have time to recover. But unfortunately, when you're 60, 65 and the market drops and you're overly aggressive, you don't have that time anymore. Your time is up. Time is ticking. You only have you know, a few more years left, generally speaking. And what happens is when you first start your job, people get that 401k, they make their investment allocations, they're fairly aggressive and they just set it and they forget it and they don't adjust it as they get older. They just leave it like that. And what we have seen time and time and time again is when we sit down with a client, we do a risk assessment, they bring in their statements, their 401k, their 401k statements, their IRA, whatever that may be, and we line up their risk tolerance with the risk that's actually in their portfolio and it's always significantly high than they're comfortable with. Why is that? Because as they got older, they got more conservative, but they did not change their allocations in their investment accounts. And this can be detrimental to your retirement. Think about this. So if I had worked 30, 40 years and had a date of 2008 to retire, and I didn't make any changes in my portfolio, Right. So I'm going through the I'm going through all of 2007 in my cubicle with my big wall with my big wall calendar, Xing off the days up until 2008. And I'm about to retire and I'm ready to say I'm about to hit the road, Jack. I'm never coming back. You know, take this job and shove it. All the stuff I'm going to say right to, to, to my employer and just walk away and be happy and be retired after 30, 40 years of service. But what happened in 2008? The day I retire. Right in the midst of that, we hit the Great Recession. The market drops 40 to 50%. And if I didn't adjust my risk levels and my allocation before then, uh uh-oh, I had a decision to make. Either I'm going to have to work longer or I'm just going to have to retire with less. And that's why as you get older, you need to take that risk off the table and be more conservative with your investments because you never know What's going to happen two to three years out before you retire? If the market drops like it has now, hey, for for all these people who wanted to retire this year or going into next year, good luck. Because if you haven't made any changes to your portfolio, uh, it's probably down about 25 to 30%. And what you gonna do? You need to sit down with a good fiduciary advisor who, who can assist, right? All right. You know what, what you're saying is, is, is pretty logical. Um, but I just started reading this book called the psychology of money. And the basic premise is that despite the fact that decisions about money and finance are mathematical, there's formulas. If you have a question, should I take on this debt? How much should I contribute to my 401k? Should I contribute to 401? For traditional or Roth, all these questions, they have mathematical answers. There are formulas, there are ways that you can solve those problems, but we're not mathematical human beings. We're pretty emotional. Oh, absolutely. So when it comes to making those decisions about money, when it comes to making decisions about risk, and I'm about to retire, but man, the market's booming, so I'm not getting out. Or We're, we're dumb. Yes, we Duh. are. We're dumb. We base it on emotion. We base it on even our our previous experience. So people, um, some of those kids who are investing in, in Robinhood or who have, who have just learned about investing recently, who are in their 20s, maybe early 30s right now, who have never experienced what we're experiencing now, the down market, this is new to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People have been living high off the hog for so long because we've had a 12-year period of the market just being up and up and up. And now we're down and a lot of people, whether you're just starting out and you're a kid trying to do Robin Hood, by the way, which um, I'm not a big fan of Robin Hood, 
Or if you're a retiree who is, uh, as for the last 10 to 12 years, have just seen up and up and up, at least you've experienced something in 2008. Mm-hmm. However, you have amnesia, short memories, Forget. you don't remember, you yeah. get greedy, mm-hmm. you want to invest in all the hot stocks and Bitcoin and NFTs and all that stuff that you shouldn't be invested in, but you're asking about and you don't want to get out when the market is up because what if it goes up more, market, Marcus? Um, the thing is, people, you know, it, it's weird because people who, who are... are um, and, and I guess it just the underlying uh, basis of all this is just emotion. Yes. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're 25 or 75. Yes. Emotion rules the day. And um, when the market is up and it's time to take some money off the table, you're like, well, what if it goes up more than this? You have that FOMO, that fear of missing out, regardless of how old you are. Yeah. And it can be detrimental to your retirement. But you have to make sure that you're doing the right things. All right. Um, well, this is uh, taking a lot longer than I thought. I guess you were right. Um, I'm uh, We're going to go into the next segment. We're going to talk about Social Security, health care, and taxes. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. So this is, uh, there you go, Scar Tissue by the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're going to be here in a few weeks, by the way. They are? Mm-hmm. On tour. Wow. Um, song came out in 1999 Another 90s hit There you go Number 9 in the US 15 in the UK There you go Flea Anthony Kiedis uh, Dave Navarro For a brief period of time That's right No one knows who that is anymore But I tell you what uh, One of them's uh, Can um, Pull money from their IRA Without any penalty Somebody's like 59 Isn't somebody 59 Yes Anthony Kiedis and Flea Yeah they're both uh, Mm -hmm. 59 If they're 59 and a half They can pull money out of their IRAs with no penalty Let me tell you something Time freaking flies The Red Hot Chili Peppers on tour Beaten on the door to 60 60 years old But they don't have nothing on the Rolling Stones Who are out there at 145 years old That's true Mick Jagger (laughs) and uh, um, The other ones Jeesh, uh, the one who should be probably gone. Um, the uh, um, I call him the guy who, who's done every hard drug and probably has invented done drugs that haven't even been Keith invented. Richards. Yes, Keith Richards. There you go. That that guy looks every bit of 145 too. Every bit. He's had a hard life. Keith probably Richard? a fun life. I don't want to say hard life like hard, but hard. He lived hard, uh, and and there you go. Seventy-eight uh, years young. Seventy-eight. Wow. You know, it's funny. People run marathons, eat clean, live a healthy life, and die a lot earlier than 78. And uh, Richard's... What does that tell you? (laughs) He's put everything in his body. What does that tell you? Hey, I'm going to start living hard like... YOLO. uh, Yep, Keith Richards. Might as well. No, that's not going to happen. Anyway... (laughs) Welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan, physical packet of information, couple of my books are in there, a few financial reports, access to my webinar uh, called Retirement, uh, Taxes in Retirement, a lot of good stuff. Just go to warrenwealth.net to get that good stuff. All right, so I wanted to wrap up uh, this segment uh, and talk about um, Social Security uh, healthcare and taxes, because these are things that are um, need to be accounted for when you retire. So let's start off with Social Security. So in general, Social Security um, is part of uh, what I used to call a three-pronged or a three-legged stool of retirement. You used to have, back in the day, you used to have a pension, which was one, which was one leg. You used to have your Social Security, which was another leg. And then you would have your uh, savings, right? Your 401ks, your company retirement plans, whatever that may be, your savings. That would be the three legs of your stool. (laughs) Anyway, and um, one of those legs have been knocked out from under you, and that's generally pensions. Most people do not have pensions anymore. And so most people have to rely on what they've saved up, and they have to rely on Social Security, right? And so far, Social Security, let's knock on wood, is still around, it's still here, and we're going to talk about it that way. So there's three ways that you can claim Social Security. You can claim it. Actually, there's multiple ways, but there's three ages where you can claim Social Security, so to speak, or when ages that matter. You can claim it as early as 62. You can take it at full retirement age, which used to be 65, then it went up to 66, now it's 67. But depending on when you were born, it's the, it's the, the max at full retirement age is, is 67. And then you have, you can take it as late as 70. 
And so let's talk about those real quick. So if you take it at 62, which is early, um, you can get 70 cents on the dollar. So you're basically not going to get the full retirement uh, benefit of it, but you'll get 70% of what you were slated to get. Okay. May or may not, may or may not be okay, but that's where it starts. Um, every month, actually, or every year after thereafter, it creeps up a little bit until it gets to 100%, which is at your full retirement age. And we'll just use 67. We'll just use your full retirement age is 67. That is when you can get your full benefits, which has been owed to you. You've put money in, your employers put money in. Now you can get 100% of that benefit for the rest of your life, keeping your fingers crossed. And then if you wanted to wait, say you've done a good job saving, say you don't need it, say you want to wait, you can wait all the way up until you're 70. And each year you wait, so your full retirement age is 67, uh, the, you can take it as late as 70. So that's three years um, that you could potentially wait. And during those three years, it is going, so your Social Security benefit is going to increase by 8% each year. So in essence, if you, the money that you could take at full retirement age, you could potentially get 24% more of your benefit if you wait till age 70. May or may not be a bad thing. It depends on your individual situation. Then there's also ways that you can maximize it through spousal benefits, things of that nature. I don't know if I want to get into everything, but I will talk about spousal benefits just real quick. There used to be a lot of different loopholes and things of that nature with Social Security, which uh, you could really milk the system for um, and, and squeeze every ounce of juice out of, out of the social security uh, system with a lot of the loopholes uh, that were there, but they closed those up a few years ago. Um, but one benefit, um, or loophole, I don't know if it's a loophole. I don't know why it's, it's funny. As, as I tell you all this, um, I'll, I'll, I'll relay what a client asked me after I told, uh, after I told them this. So there's spot, there's a spousal benefit. So say that, um, you're, you're the husband, and your social security is going to be $2,000 a month, right? You can get $2,000 a month from your social security benefit and you're the husband. Your wife, who worked a little bit, maybe stayed at home, maybe raised the kids, did whatever she did. Um, her, she didn't work as much, but she still has a benefit for social security. But her benefit, the monthly amount that she's able to get, say is $500. What you can do to maximize uh, some of that income that's coming into the household is the wife can basically get or take half of what her current husband is going to get. So he's supposed to get two thousand. Uh, she was only supposed to get five hundred, but she can bump that up to a thousand, which is fifty percent of what he gets. By the way, not disturbing his two thousand. He'll still get his two thousand a month. And now she's gone from five hundred. She can take the greater amount, which is fifty percent of his, and she can get a thousand a month for a total household social security benefit of three thousand dollars a month. Sounds fantastic, right? Sounds great. Because it is. And it's funny because as I was explaining this to a couple that I was sitting across from, the wife said, Well, why do they even let you do that? And you know what I said? I don't know, but they let you, so you might as well do it. Uh, and that is a loophole that is still there. Um, that's probably one of the reasons why Social Security is, uh, uh, has its issues. Um, but before that, there were all kinds of other ways that you could even get more money out of the system without having your 40 work credits in there. But it probably, that is how it is. It probably compensates for what you just said. Um, typically... It, the husband is the one that ends up working. I know things might be changing now, but at least for people who might be retiring um, around this time who might have worked in the 80s, 90s, um, husband's the one working, spouse is at home raising kids, so can't work as much and therefore doesn't contribute as much. And so that's probably to compensate for that. It is, but you got to remember, Social Security... Where is it coming from? Yes, where is it coming Mm -hmm. from? Social Security is a benefit that the employer and the employee pay into. Yes. But if you're not working, there's not an employer or an employee paying into it. It's just out there. And so more hands are in the pot oh, that yeah. didn't contribute. But I, I understand the, whole, the, concept, yes, the concept that says, right. hey, if, if you were at home being the household engineer yes. and not working, why should you be penalized and not be able to get some sort of benefit? Correct. Yep. But there you go. All right, that's Social Security. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is basically health care, and, and, and I'll leave it at this. Um, this is a, a one of these doom and gloom scary st- statistics, but it's real. 
the average couple in regards to healthcare, average couple, 65 years old, can expect to spend about $295,000 on healthcare expenses throughout their retirement. And that is with Medicare. That's huge. Out-of-pocket expenses of over $295,000 throughout your retirement. And that's throughout a 20 to 25-year retirement for a husband and wife. That's a lot of money, and those are things you have to think about and plan for as you are in your retirement or about to retire. Have to think about health care. Most people don't, but it's one of the biggest expenses that you're going to have in retirement. And this, by the way, isn't uh, factoring in any kind of major illness, any kind of major accident, surgery, anything like that. So you have to make sure that you account for health care in your retirement portfolios. All right. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that Medicare doesn't cover everything. No, it doesn't. That's why, I mean, of course, prescription costs. We've got Medicare Part D. Um, there's A, there's B. Um, I don't know if there's an LMNO, DZ, XY, OOP, 007. Um, I don't know, but um, I just know that a lot of people um, end up uh, being shocked by the amount of money that has to come out of pocket, even though they have Medicare. All right. And then last but not least, um, you have to account for taxes in retirement. You have to. One of the biggest uh, misconceptions um, out there is when everyone pulls up their 401k statement, right? They're about to retire. They're close to retirement. um, And they look at that 401k statement and they feel really good because they think that whatever is showing on that statement is all theirs, And unfortunately, it is not. It's not all yours. A portion of it has to go to Uncle Sam. You see, a 401k, IRA, company retirement plan, 403b, it is all tax deferred. It hasn't been taxed yet. It is taxed when you pull that money out. And when you pull that money out, you are subject to whatever tax rates are at the time that you pull it out. And so right now we have low tax rates. Taxes are probably going to go up in the future where we already know they're going to uh, go up because they're going to revert back to what they were uh, back in 2017 uh, here pretty soon in in, in a few years. So we know that taxes are going to be a lot higher in the future. Of course, we've been spending money, uh, we meaning the government, debt deficits. Uh, government spending had just gone up and up and up. We're just forgiving all these student loans now. We did COVID relief. All of this stuff has to be paid for eventually. And the way they can pay for that is through higher taxes. And so if they raise taxes or when they raise taxes, when you pull your money out from those retirement plans, you're going to be subject to those higher tax rates. So you have to make sure that you account for taxes. As a matter of fact, we say that if you don't, You don't have a full comprehensive financial or retirement plan if you don't have a tax strategy. You have to make sure that you have a tax strategy. So you have to account for those things. So um, to wrap this up, uh, as we move out of this segment into our last segment, um, as a retiree, as a pre-retiree, you have to make sure that you pay down debt. You have to make sure that you consider what you're going to do if you're going to work part-time, have a side hustle. What are your work options when you retire? You have to invest wisely, keep emotions out, adjust your risk as you get closer to retirement. You should get a little more conservative. Review your Social Security options. Uh, Don't forget about health care. And most importantly, don't forget about taxes. There you go. Coming up next, we're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right, 90s pop rock. Yes. Call it pop rock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what the song is called. All the Small Things by Blink 182. Song came out in 1999, keeping the 90s going here. Number six in the U.S., number two in the U.K. All oh, right. I know. Long of the Queen, right? Or not? Oh. Yeah, I know. There you go. All right. Well, uh, welcome back to the show. 
The Marcus Warren Show. Speaking of that, uh, speaking of that news, let's jump into some news you can use. And uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be in there, but we shall soon find out. All right. The Federal Reserve appears to be on the path to raise interest rates by another 75 or 0.75 percentage points this month in the wake of Chairman Jerome Powell's public pledge to reduce inflation, even if it increases unemployment. So the 75 uh, basis point rate rise is expected at the next Fed meeting, which is going to be later this month. In a speech on August 26th in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Mr. Powell, he underscored the central bank's commitment to boosting interest rates enough to lower inflation from its 40-year highs. Um, His remarks and tone place him among Fed officials who favor a more aggressive pace of rate increase. They said their goal is to get by 4% by the end of the year. Yeah, it's going to be um, pretty painful, I think. Um, That's why I think that um, we're headed for uh, a recession, although technically we're in a recession. But um, before you start to feel the the real effects of it, I think that interest rates are going to creep up. Money's going to tighten up because that is a point of inflation, Um, you know, because you have, uh, you know, a lot of... uh, too few dollars chasing, uh, no, too many dollars t- chasing too few products, and that causes that causes inflation. And what they want to do is they want to tighten up the money so there's not a lot of money chasing anything. And you can easily do that by raising interest rates to uh, the Fed funds rate to four percent because that is going to jack up everything else. Bad for consumers. Not too bad for savers once uh, the banks kick in. By the way, I I am asked this question a lot that, hey, as uh, the Fed continues to raise rates, when will I see that hit savings accounts and CDs and things of that nature? And the answer is it's a huge lag. Trust me. That is why the insurance companies and the banks, if you look at every big building in every city from coast to coast, it generally is the name of an insurance company and or a bank because they are going to roll out the savings, the extra interest rates uh, in savings uh, long after the Fed raises those rates. That's true. I know. It does lag. But you know what doesn't lag? Consumer uh, debt. Interest rates on borrowing money. Interest rates on borrowing money. Mortgage rates go up. Credit cards, things go up immediately because that brings in money to the banks and or insurance companies. Wow. Simple as that. There we go. All right, what else? Okay, United Airlines is making another bet on flying taxis with a $15 million investment in a company called Eve Air Mobility, which is backed by air manufacturer Embraer. The airline said it struck a conditional agreement to buy 200 of the four-passenger electric aircraft that the company is developing. All right, so when you said flying taxi... Yeah. I thought you were talking about Southwest Airlines. Oh, okay. Because to me, that is a flying taxi. All right. Um, because it stops in different cities. And, yeah. you know, you got to, if you're trying to get from here in Louisville to, let's say, uh, um, San Diego, yeah. I might have to stop in Phoenix. I might have to stop in Vegas first, not yeah. get off. Yeah. All the other passengers stay. get mm-hmm. off, all the new passengers get on. Yep. By the way, when the old passengers get off, then I. You know, can work work my way to the seat that oh, I yeah. want. Oh yeah, and then I move on, yes. and that's like a bus to me. But you're talking about, or you're talking about taxis slash uh, like real tax for passenger. Right, exactly, exactly. What, what, yes. But is, a, is it a plane or a hovercraft? It is. It, well, see, they said <laughs> it takes off and lands vertically like a helicopter. So I'm not sure oh, what so. the difference is between this and a helicopter. Other than maybe um, it's more mobile. Maybe, you know, it can land in, in some spots that maybe helicopters can't. I don't know what the difference is, but United is making a big push toward it. They've got, uh, put another $10 million deposit down last month for 100 uh, electric flying taxis develop, being developed by another company. Um, and they expect one-way trips to cost between 100 to $150. And I would take a helicopter taxi Anywhere. Avoid traffic. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, well, not here um, where we are, but if I lived in New York or L.A. or some of those, I'm sure that's where it's going to yes, roll out to first. Course, it's not yeah. going to roll out. Not really <laughs> so, needed here. I don't think there's no. a big demand for No, but, I, but, but as here. I look out our window now, it would be cool, like almost futuristic, if you to were just to, just to see land just on buildings. a bunch of, you know, taxis and stuff, air taxis. 
moving up and down, and you could see it down the horizon. You know, we're we're here in a pretty, well, I don't say high rise. We're only yeah. twelve floors, but yeah, semi but semi high. It, but it's enough where we can see out, and it would be. Mm-hmm. It look pretty cool. It would look yeah. futuristic. Speaking of futuristic, United Airlines also announced last year that uh, they would buy 15, uh, they're called Overture planes from a startup called Boom Supersonic, which is building aircraft that can travel faster yes. than the speed of sound. American recently, American Airlines recently announced they're also purchasing 20 planes from Boom Su- Supersonic. Now, these planes won't uh, ride passengers until the end of the decade. So 2029 is when they're expected to carry passengers. But they are... Fine with me. Going Test to... Test that out, buddy. <laughs> they're going to cut travel... They're supposed to cut travel time in half because they can actually travel faster than the speed of sound. Yes. Um, so the uh, flights that are going across the Atlantic get cut in half from yeah. eight hours down to four. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think this is fantastic. I am. I, I know uh, one of the early investors in Boom, um, angel investors in, in, in Boom, and he has invested, um, you know, a, a pretty good amount of money in that Boom, mm-hmm. which is uh, really, to me, it's it just, a, it's a time saver. It, it's almost, it's as close as we can come to a time machine yeah. that I think is anything because anything that saves you time is just adding Mm-hmm. Years to your life. To your life. Yeah, I'm well, all for that. we previously had a supersonic jet called the Concorde. Oh, the Concorde. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just it's, see, this is how old I am, and or how, or how young you are, whatever you want to say. Um, the way that you said that, we used to have one called the Concorde. Yes, lady, I was around when the Concorde really? was, was flying. <laughs> yes. I think it, I think it uh, <laughs> made its last flight in the early 2000s. So you might. So it's not it's not that old, no. but it had some big problems. Of course, it was very expensive. Flights were about ten thousand dollars, which a lot of people might well, not be able to afford. A lot of people, like um, yes, no one yes. besides <laughs> the millionaires and billionaires. Yes, and um, <laughs> because it flew so fast, there was it was notoriously loud in the cabin. It would create sonic booms, so it can't fly over land. For example, cross country would have to fly just over the ocean. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. New York to England. Yep. So for the most part, was exactly. So these are some just obstacles that Boom and other startups in that same space will have to kind of overcome in order to make supersonic flight possible. But I agree, I'm all for it. If we can cut down travel time, I want to go to Europe faster. I want to go anywhere faster. Oh, Let's get some high-speed high, sp- high rails, too. I would love, you know, I was in Spain not too long, a few months ago, and they have high-speed rail, and it is, it's the best way to travel, going from Madrid to Barcelona in an hour and a half, no traffic. It's just to get there yeah. fast. It's efficient. Man, Yeah. I would love that here. Anyway, thank you, D. For that news, you can use. And now let's jump into what really everyone has been waiting for. The uh, segment that's taken everyone by storm. That's the news you can't use. Well, a Boston woman, speaking of planes, who has been working on planes for 65 years was named the world's longest serving flight attendant by Guinness World Records. Hey, by the way, what what whatever happened to a stewardess? That word is outdated. No, I'm just one. No, I'm I'm, I'm asking a question because I don't know. I don't well, know. It doesn't sound offensive. It doesn't sound whatever. Steward, steward. You can be a steward. I'm a steward of something, or you can be a stewardess. I was gonna, I was gonna bring up. You know the feminine, yeah. feminine uh, stewardess is, is a you know refers to women, right. but steward- there can be male flight attendants. Yeah, too. They, were they were called stewards. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know. So let me know. Anyway, flight attendant. I'm They're sorry. Called flight attendants. So yes. she's been working Betty for hundred. Bet- oh, she's, of course, her name is Betty. She's 86 years old. She started working as a flight attendant in 1957 for Eastern Airlines, and con- which I oh, don't even know oh, what well, that was. Well, there was Eastern. There was there was a Northwest Airlines. Okay. There's been some Pan TWA, Pan Am. There's been so many that's just been just gobbled, 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 yes. gobbled. And now she works for Spirit. American okay. continues to this day to serve as a flight attendant. In 2017, oh, when she celebrated her 60th anniversary with the company, she said, "Obviously, the job has changed considerably since the early days." Duh. She said, "You had to be a certain height, you had to be a certain weight. Yeah. You put on a few pounds. You had to always keep weighing yourself until you went back down to your." You know ideal what some weight? people call that? The good old days. Oh no, I don't like that. No. Not me. Not me. By the way. Um, she's still working? Yes. Okay. I mean, is her pension taken away? Because she probably has a pension that she could get. She's still working. Hey, maybe it's just the love of the job. She just likes flying. Uh, yeah, maybe. Travel, Traveling. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Perks. My gosh, how long does it take to get travel perks? some peanuts on that flight? 
Oh, no. Anyway, what? we got one more. Okay. What, what else you got? <laughs> a, ro- a robot uh, broke a seven-year-old boy's finger while they were playing chess during during a tournament in Moscow. I got mad. So the Moscow uh, Chess uh, Federation president, of course, said, and I quote, of course, this is bad. Uh, during a match in Moscow, the young Was chess player. Was it a Russian? The I don't know. The child? Mm, don't Moscow. know. Don't know. Yes. I don't know if the boy was Russian, but he made a move that obviously the robot didn't like. The robot broke his finger. The robot broke the little boy's finger. Yes. So Aww. he was playing against a robot. He made a move on the board. Didn't get, didn't give, I guess, enough time for the robot to respond. So the robot just grabbed his finger and broke oh, it. Oh, he thought while it they was, were playing uh, the he game. probably thought it was a. Uh, One of the pieces. A pieces, unless he was upset. Unless, hey, unless the robots are you taking know what? over. AI. I know, unless the robots are taking over, which I would not put that past a robot out there um, in out there in Russia because they Mm -hmm. they do not play. They don't. They do. Even their robots are mad. I mean, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what is it? I mean, Putin. You got Putin out there. Yes. It was was, was his robot. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) The boy was able to finish the tournament, so there we go. Yeah, he only had a broken finger. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't put his 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 hand through his heart. (laughs) He had a broken finger. He can continue to play. Anyway, boy, we're so soft these days. Anyway, thank you, D, for that news you can't use. And we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.